Whether you're at the beginning of your property journey, looking to enter the market, or a seasoned professional seeking new strategies and insights, this podcast is your one-stop resource for all things property investment. Welcome to the Property Investors Network podcast. Let's embark on this exciting journey together and make your property investment dreams a reality. Hello, property investors. It's fantastic to have you joining me here today. So today I have a special guest with me. Pat Mahoney from the Green Book Group is a specialist in developments, predominantly commercial. He's done a bit of residential as well, but uh, he's here joining me today. It's great to have you on, Pat. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, Mark. And yourself? I'm very well, very well. All the better for having you. So for people that don't know about you or haven't heard of you, Pat, can you uh, tell us a bit about yourself, please? Absolutely, yes. Um, I'm a charter surveyor by background. I've been involved in the property business for over 40 years, um, mainly in the commercial sector. Um, I run my own property development company called Greenbrook Group, um, which has two roles. One is to act as a direct developer where I undertake my own schemes. And the other is to act as a development consultant uh, where I work with clients on their schemes uh, and help them through the development process. There really isn't much difference in the process, whether it's my direct developments or for clients. Uh, When working for clients, I sit beside them effectively and um, I give them the key decisions to make because it's their money and their projects at the end of the day. But it's my role to um, provide as much information as possible for them to make the key decisions and also to tell them where key decisions are required. Property development is is quite a wide uh, discipline. Um, It needs everything covered. And uh, hopefully with my experience and expertise from that, uh, I can help clients to complete their schemes properly and profitably, which is the uh, the aim of the job. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So 40 years in the industry, that's a long time. What uh, what made you get into, you know, developments and commercial and everything? Uh, when I when I left school, um, I, I didn't go to university and uh, I had chosen to go into the property business really um, as a trainee. So it was a, a case of wherever I could get a job. I uh, was born and lived in central London in Marylebone, so not far from Mayfair, where all the major agents are based. And uh, long story short, I managed to get a trainee job with a company called Strutton Parker in Hill Street near Bartley Square in Mayfair. Uh, They're now called BMP Paribas. Uh, A lot has happened over 40 years, as you can imagine. I've seen many uh, a name change in my time. Um, And so I went, went in there and to qualify as a child surveyor, you either get a degree from university or at that time you could undertake the um, direct examinations of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, the RICS, which is something that is, uh, you know, thrown around as a word in, in the PIN groups. Uh, RICS, Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, uh, based in Great George Street, just off uh, Westminster. Um, I um, went to Daverley's course, which included evenings. So I was doing a full-time job and studying and um, you need to pass three exams uh, within a five-year period. 
the first, the second, and then the final. And uh, I managed to do that. I was a bit unlucky because um, up to that point, or just before that point, if you passed the exams, then you were qualified as a child surveyor. Unfortunately, from my point of view, as I went through the exams, the RICS in their wisdom decided to bring in something called the test of professional competence, which meant that after you had completed your exams, whether at your university or through the RICS, you then had to do two years of approved experience, which meant keeping a diary of, of what experience you, you, you had um, and also at the end of it, writing a project. And so when I finally completed all of that, I was probably one of the first people through that system, actually. Uh, I then qualified as what's called an associate of the RICS. And then uh, once you've uh, done a few years as an associate, then uh, back in back in those days, you became a fellow. So my qualifications are fellow of the Royal Institute of Child Surveyor. So I'm entitled to put FRICS behind my uh, name. Uh, so I started um, with Stratton Park as a trainee um, in their offices um, and uh, qualified there. Uh, I then left to join uh, the old property board of British Rail, British Rail Property Board. And that was where I got my main training over about a 10 year period, effectively doing estate management. And my breakthrough into development came after those 10 years when I joined Sainsbury's as a development surveyor. Uh, looking for sites for the large supermarkets that were built then. And I would term the Sainsbury's um, operation as a university of property development. So back then they were actually creating uh, a lot of the methods of development uh, that we work with today. So we're in PIN, options are spoken about, then Sainsbury's were helping to develop them. And in terms of um, subject to planning contracts, then Sainsbury's with Tesco and Asda and all the others were creating boilerplate um, subject to planning contracts, which, which is still the, the, the basis for those contracts today. So when I got into Sainsbury's, I decided just to get my head down, soak up as much information as I could in the way that people coming in to pin, soak up as much information as they can. And um, within a couple of years, I wouldn't say I was a great expert developer, but I had learned a lot, which put together with my estate management expertise, which I would describe as the nuts and bolts, um, gave me a good background for development and enabled me to move on to another company called uh, Peel Holdings at the time. Manchester-based company um, owned and run by a man called uh, John Whitaker, uh, who's a champion of the Northwest, uh, based in Manchester at the time, lived in the Isle of Man, uh, got involved with retail warehouses very early on, which helped him to build the company. Today, he's a billionaire, and Peel Land and Property, as it is now known, is a, is a multi-sector property. And anybody watching this um, this uh, film that uh, wants to look into a company could do no worse than to look up Peel and find out what their history is and where they are now, because they're, they're just amazing and enormous. Unfortunately, over my time, I've had a few um, recessions and uh, we hit the recession in 1990. Peel retrenched back to its heartland in Manchester. I was running its London operation for it. I left, but I'd always had a hankering to run my own business. So I set up Greenbrook at that time in uh, back in 1990 and ran my own business in the same way it is now as a direct developer 
and um, a, a development consultant. And, and back then I would claim, I hope not too modestly, that I helped to create the development consultant role, which is now called development man management, which sounds a lot more boring, but it's the same role. And um, it's a very established role today. So a development manager will take the project from inception up to the point which I call the muddy wellies point where the, you get on site. And then generally the project is taken over by a project manager. Again, a term which has become generic, you know, even on The Apprentice and everything else. Um, and that would normally be a quantitative error, run the building contract. Um, so I ran um, Greenbrook for over 20 years until we hit the credit crunch recession um, and um, decided uh, very little development going on that I needed to um, get a proper job, as I would put it, paid by somebody else for a while. So I joined a company called Salmon Developments. Uh, I left there in 2019 after a succession-based management buyout. I'd always kept Greenbrook alive in the background, doing company returns every year, um, keep my VAT status alive. And so the way I tell it is that I left uh, Salmon on the Friday and started again the Monday and uh, have been running Greenbrook since then. Um, I, I, I have two main areas. One is the large commercial area and the other one for a better income stream, if you like, is um, uh, small domestic scale developments. Uh, before I went into Salmon, I'd managed to run one in Pinner, uh, where I bought one house, uh, refurbished that, managed to get planning permission in the garden for another house, built that, sold the first house, lived in the second newly built house, um, and it gave me a taste for that faster turnover than some of the larger developments, which looking back, you know, some of my some of the projects I was involved with um, took 10 years to finish, you know. I'm more interested in quicker turnover, two years if possible. The quickest commercial projects I was involved with was at Salmon, where we did an industrial uh, development within three years from start to finish, but that had special reasons for that. Most of them take longer, and I'm interested in quicker turnover, and um, my driver is to get um, to get profit in. So in a way, you might describe it in pinners as flips, um, uh, but um, sometimes they flip, sometimes they pro uh, they're development projects. And I'm still looking to do either commercial or residential or mixed use. And for the latter, I have a little company tucked away, which is actually called Mixed Use Developments, has a website, etc. waiting for that project that would suit the company. And um, all of that is how I got from being uh, a working class lad in Marylebone in London to become a child surveyor and a property developer with over 40 years experience. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you for the journey. Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate it. I, no, it's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant to hear about, you know, because it is a journey at the end of the day. You've, you've had a mixed bag. You've had to ride, you know, it's a roller coaster. We have your yeah. ups and we have our downs, but it's about surviving, keeping going. And you've managed to do that. And I know developments is is becoming more and more popular again, so to speak. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't popular before, but it was a little unheard of in, so to speak, the residential sort of market. When when you look at, you know, like a lot of pain is, is all about HMOs or a bit of service accommodation yeah. and sort of thing. Development's never been that sort of uh, go-to bespoken sort of, oh, I'm going to do developments. You don't hear that very, very often. Yeah. But I see more and more people now are more yeah. uh, engaged with this, can see the potential. 
because there's huge, huge uplift potentials, isn't there, in developments? Absolutely, yeah. yeah I saw one article in um, a PIN magazine, YPN magazine, that talked about um, uh, the guy said it was the, the biggest mistake he ever made. And he started saying, you know, what he normally did was um, with developments where he, he, he went in, he bought a site, uh, developed, finished it, took his profit and walked away. And when he moved away from that model, it didn't work. And he learned that he, he should stick to his knitting in a phrase and um, do development because it's about the lump sum profit at the end. Again, you know, looking at it from the pin point of view, um, if if one was to do a development and um, and you could see that uh, uh, that it would make a good investment and could be held on to and could be right refinanced uh, on that basis, then that would also be a good way to go. Uh, but I think most people set out to be what's called a trader developer um, and, and look to finish the scheme and take a profit. If I go back to my uh, original guy, John Whitaker, he was actually always an investor. Whatever he built, and he built huge stuff, um, he, he built the Trafford Centre in Manchester in the end, uh, he built it to keep. So, so he would um, he would buy the sites, build them, and then keep them for the income. And and um, he even did that on the Trafford Centre, which which he then reversed into another company eventually, but still kept it shareholding. So, development can be mainly about trading, but it can also be being about building something to keep if it works in that way. And mm. the process is long enough that along that journey you can. You can make those decisions and you can analyze how best to go. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. It's always good to have those sort of options, isn't it? Because if you can keep hold of the asset, you know, like you say, refinance it and then, you know, have it over the long term and even let it to companies, particularly yes. brand name companies. It, exactly. it can be really profitable, can it? And a nice little nest egg. And is, is that something that you're, you're looking at doing more and more now? I would do that. Yes, I would do. Uh, Financial covenant, as you serve the companies, is vital. Um, mm -hmm. uh, without that, you could be left high and dry. You might have finance, uh, you know, so that the cash flow looks good. Then a tenant goes bust, and suddenly you, you still got the mortgage and, and no tenant. So you want to make sure in the first instance that you, you have a very strong covenant as a tenant. Um, or if not, you need to be sure that if that tenant were to go for any reason, that you have uh, invested in a location and a type of property that will attract another good tenant and so keep you earning income to pay your mortgage, etc. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people were very, uh, maybe put off a little bit with the COVID situation where a lot of companies did go bust and went under. Uh, a lot of office spaces, of course, as well, which yeah. you always thought were a sure thing. And everybody starts yeah. working from home and companies yeah. realize they can save an absolute fortune. So I, I get what you're saying there. You, you've mm. got to be very careful. It's got to really fit a good set of criteria. And like you say, have a bit of a backup plan if it's Definitely. going through. So, yeah. I mean, looking at it from our, from our perspective as well, if, if you were interested or you're interested in getting into developments from maybe just having a few, you know, Vitalets or HMOs and things, what, you, what would be your first steps for somebody just starting out now? Be careful. Learn as much as you can. I've got a couple of notes here. 
be aware of how many things there are to cover. I, I've got a phrase which sounds very pessimistic, but it's actually very self-protective, uh, that there are a million things in, in development uh, that you cover hmm. and you've always got to look out for the million and first. So there is always something else to be careful about. You need to get good advice and help where you need it, in development particularly. Uh, there's a lot of glamour attached to development, I, I think. I think that's a fair comment. And, and people can get carried away with it and, and they can fall more in love with the glamour than delivering the project properly or making sure that they emerge with a profit. Hmm. So you can't be in development just because it sounds good and, and you can tell somebody what you did. You need to be able to tell somebody at the end of the day you actually made a profit from the scheme. So you, you need to get it right and be sure that you emerge with that profit. No, that's good. That's good advice. And it is, you know, if you set out to things, you, you can get caught up in looking at the high profits and what can be achieved. And hey, hey, look at us. We developed this, you know, massive unit yeah. into whatever, you know, units. Um, yeah. And yeah, getting carried away with it all. So keep your feet firmly on the ground. Make sure you know what you're doing and take it step by step at the end of the day. And I, I, one of the phrases I always like to say is a deal isn't a deal unless it's a deal. So don't get caught up in fairy tale numbers. Look yes. at the numbers, make sure the numbers stack and don't yeah. play with them. You know, the numbers are the numbers, aren't they? The numbers are the um, numbers. You, you must not make the numbers do what you want them to. Um, you must you must research your comparables very well. You mustn't believe anybody else uh, in terms of what they tell you. There are very sophisticated, um, but not, not, uh, not so sophisticated you can't use them. But there are sophisticated property development appraisals out there now, and I would urge people to use those. And if you looked at one of those, you would see the number of headings that need to be um, uh, populated. Um, and each one needs to be spot on as, or so far as you can. Um, so we're talking about uh, building costs, consultant fees, finance costs, uh, program because that's related to finance costs. Uh, so those are all your costs. And then the top line is all about the rent you're likely to achieve. And if you intend to sell at the day, the capitalization yield. And you need to be sure about all those figures. Um, and you plug them into the appraisal. You can, you can, it's effectively a very sophisticated spreadsheet. So you can ask it to target the land price. And you must be accurate in putting in all your figures, target the land price, it will then tell you if you're paying the right price for that site or property. Or, or it may help you to, in your negotiation, to go mm. to the selling agent and actually table your appraisal and say, look, you know, these are all my figures. This is the land price it throws up. So you're charging X pounds too much or your client is. Here's my offer but I've researched it. I know what I'm doing. If you get the figure you're asking for, that's great, but this is what I can pay and this is what I should pay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And having somebody like yourself or as a consultant to be able to, you know, look at your numbers, look at your deal, you know, like you say, uh, you sit with the person, so to speak, you know, you're living and breathing that, that opportunity with them. That can give you that peace of mind, particularly if you're relatively new and starting this out, because as the old saying goes, you don't know what you don't know. 
and you yeah. could run straight into a brick wall uh, with developments, as you can with it, most things in property if you don't understand that the full details on it. So just looking at Greenbrook at the moment, obviously you do developments for yourself and things. Do you, do you team up or is it just like a consultancy that uh, is the way that you work with other people? No, no, I would team up. Uh, I'm very happy to do joint ventures. And um, I've, I've, I've needed to go away and past and do joint ventures with bigger companies than me. So I'm familiar with joint ventures, happy to, um, happy to bring them to people or happy to do them with people who want help. Um, they're bringing in the project, the idea. I can bring the expertise and the project management. Um, there's a, a massive amount of due diligence that's needed before you get involved in a project. And the other thing you need to do is to ensure that you have all of the paperwork by the time you finish the project uh, in order to be able to sell it or get a mortgage or whatever. And um, that is another huge thing that people overlook. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. So that, that's really, really good. And of course, you are talking on the PIN circuit. So we have local property investor network, uh, um, networking events all are in and around and across the country. And Pat is going and talking at uh, local PIN meetings and PIN meetings uh, nationally. If people want to see you or come and listen to your talk, what can they expect to hear from you? What they can expect to hear is, is a bit about my background to explain who I am, where I came from. Um, how I got into this uh, property uh, career, uh, much as I've explained earlier on this. Um, but I also uh, aim to highlight uh, the main areas for uh, wannabe developers to be careful about. Um, and I go into um, some detail on them. And um, uh, just to give you a quick flavor, um, the four areas would be site sourcing, Financial appraisal, which I mentioned, funding, which is vital, and then delivering the projects profitably. Um, and then I offer to people that um, I'm happy to work with them on their projects, either as a consultant or to enter into joint ventures with them. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, give them an introduction to property development and uh, a few uh, takeaways on um what they need to be careful about yeah oh, that's great that's great so if you want the nuts and bolts of property development and of course you can speak to pat at the breaks as well um then you know don't miss those opportunities and that is why we put you know the networking events on not only to get out there and meet like-minded people in your areas but equally get the specialists in like pat um, who can talk about different uh, sectors of property because there is so many different avenues that you can go uh, down there if anybody um watches this or listens to this part and wants to reach out to you what's the best way to do so uh they can email me um or phone me i don't mind um okay how can i convey the information mark now uh, well we can put it in uh, uh, can put it in the description or you can just i mean if you've got an email address that we can read out or anything like that yeah, then uh, sure. we can yeah. say that now. i'll um i'll read it for you i'll spell it for you actually <laughs> P M A H O N E Y at Greenbrook Group G R E E N B R O O K G R O U P dot co dot UK. And you can also have a look at my website, which is www dot greenbrookgroup dot co 
www.thepodcast.co.uk. Absolutely brilliant. So I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I'd like to say thank you very much, Pat, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. And thank you very much indeed, Mark. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, thank you very much for uh, your help and prompts. No problem. No problem whatsoever. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. So do make sure that you book onto your local PIN meeting. Visit um, the propertyinvestornetwork.co.uk. Find out where your local PIN meeting is and get yourselves booked on. See if Pat's coming to your area soon. And of course, if he is, then make sure that you put it in your diary to go and see him. Have a chat with him. He's more than happy to have a conversation with people to help people out. So thank you for joining me on today's episode. I look forward to you joining me at the next episode very very soon you take care and bye for now thank you for tuning in to the property investors network podcast remember investing in property is not just about numbers and profits but also about building communities and creating a lasting impact you can do this by checking out our website at pinfurtherlearning.co.uk And of course, look to book onto your local property investors networking event. We are here to help and support you every step of the way. And I look forward to you joining me very soon. Bye for now.